I don't think anybody should worry about having to work on on something until it got old and stale. That is a privilege that we can only dream of having. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And this is not a Hack the Craft TM episode, so we get to have <laughs> chit-chat again this weekend. And again, we are recording this on Monday, April 2nd. The college basketball championship game is tonight. And we know from last week that Taylor did not fill out a bracket because she doesn't (laughs) care about sports. But some of us do, and some of us are really excited that the two teams we have playing in the finals in our bracket are playing in the finals tonight. So I'm excited about that. What happens if you win? What do you get? I get the satisfaction of knowing that I got it right. But it's like... That's like saying if you win the lottery, you get the satisfaction that you knew that you picked the right numbers, but so much of it is luck. No. See, that's where you're completely wrong, because if you get both teams right, none of it is luck. Right. If you get, if one of the, like people that picked Virginia, that's bad luck because they lost in the first round. But if you get them all right, then that is just incredible skill. Right. Yeah. Okay. I totally see how that yes. works. Okay. So you can see how that works. Yeah. And I got it now. Speaking of sports, I also went to my first ever opening day of a baseball season last week uh, in Miami to see the new look Miami Marlins, who new look meaning they've gotten rid of all their good players and it's mostly young players. Oh. But it was a fun day. I'd never done that before. Went over with a friend. And so I don't need so, to offer you my condolences or anything. No, we are two <laughs> and two in the new season, and they're fun to watch. So I'm I'm excited about the season. If if the Marlins don't lose a hundred games, it'll it'll be a good season in my mind. And uh, they they've got some good some good players that will get better. And that's I promise all the sports talk that I'll do today. Okay, I'll wake up now. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> And 98% of our listeners are back now, too. (laughs) You want to talk about some writing stuff? Yeah. (laughs) Let's let's go in that direction. All right. We had a question in the Facebook group, uh, and it was a great question from Bruce. Bruce Cantwell. Longtime listener and fan of the show. We love you, Bruce. Yes, we do. Uh, Question for the show. Taylor, you mentioned that you were as proud of your, in quotes, ing word, hack the craft, TM, as anything you've ever written. And what can you share about the challenge of balancing new writing projects that feed you with the ongoing projects that are harder to keep fresh? And then there's more to that question that we'll get into a little bit later. So... The idea of creative, of being creative and being fed creatively by trying new things versus working on the things that pay the bills for you, I think, is the question. And how do you balance that? So um, when Bruce asked that question in the Facebook group, I was like, 
I might be as much of a student on this one as anybody else. So, you know, I could give it a try. Before Steve and I started recording, we were discussing it back and forth. And, you know, I've, I've had a few thoughts on it. And I, I think that it is um, probably particular to the author. Because I was thinking back on a um, conversation that I it was an interview, I guess. It was at Thriller Fest. It might have even been my first Thriller Fest. I don't know. They were interviewing Sandra Brown, who has written just, I don't know, so many books. And someone asked her if she'd ever considered writing a series because all of her books are standalones. And at the time, she'd said that she just didn't think that she had it in her, that she she did not think she was capable of writing a series because... She, for her, so much of the motivation to write came from discovering new characters as she went along. And and I found that highly fascinating because I'm exactly not like that. <laughs> I would much prefer to stick with series because you there's so much work that goes into developing characters. And the further into the series you get, the the more you know that character. And for me, the challenge is the situations that the get the character into, and and get them out of. But I don't know that that would really change so much. With you still have to come up with new scenarios, even if you're writing completely different. You know, characters with each book, standalones, you still have to come up with new stories. So coming up with a new story for a character that's already established versus coming up with a new story for new characters, it just seemed to me like the challenge would be so much harder, uh, new stories and new characters. And I got to thinking about, like, um, the Stephanie Plum books by Janet Ivanovich. I mean, they're in their 20s now. And um, the Jack Reacher books by Lee Child also in the 20s. And there was Sue Grafton who wrote the Alphabet series that ended with Y. So that's definitely in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And and they, for a lot of authors, like there's, I mean, I could see them in the reviews. You know, people get tired of the series and they quit. They start, ah, oh, the series is, you know, uh, she's lost her touch or, you know, this is just the worst book that he's ever written. I'm done with the series. But look at the sales, you know, people keep coming back for them. And obviously those series paid the bills, right? So I've not had a chance to talk with Janet Ivanovich. I mean, I've, I've spoken numerous times with Lee Child, but I've never asked him that question. So I, I don't know that there's sort of a way to keep yourself inspired and working on the older material because I think for every author, it's going to be different as to what inspires them. I know that I have struggled a lot with writing the new series that I'm now on the second book. First one hasn't been published yet, guys, but it's coming soon. Because of having to learn to love new characters after I've grown so attached to the older ones. So if I had a choice between writing another Monroe story or writing the new series, of course I would take Monroe because I'm, I'm in her head and, and, or she's in mine, whichever way it works. And so 
that's almost like a reverse of Bruce's question. It's how do you inspire yourself to write new material that you don't want to write when you'd rather be writing the old stuff? Um, they asked a famous painter where he found his inspiration. He said, inspiration is for, for suckers. The rest of us just show up to work. And for me, I find that the further I get into a story, the more inspiration I have to write it. And I can it's actually quite pertinent right now because I'm about 50,000 words of really, really rough, as we call it, word vomit into this second story in the Jack and Jill thriller series. And... Uh, really, really had a hard time with it because there's a character in there that I'm having to develop from scratch, and this character plays a major role in the story, but the story is not about them. And it took me a long time to really get to know the character and what what the character's fears and hopes and dreams and, you know, not. it's so easy when you're writing a story to let the plot drive it. But that's not why readers read. They read for the characters, right? So to really get to know this character, and there's there's so many moving parts in the story, which means move different characters, and I have to get to know each one of them. And until I get to know them, it's just this big, massive confusion in my head. Who wants to go up and show to work every day to deal with confusion? You know, it <laughs> makes you feel really stupid. But as I write... And the characters sort of start to develop their individual characteristics and interpersonal conflicts. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay, and I get with it. And it's, I guess, so much like when they say, if you just show up and do the work, then, you know, if you build it, they will come. And it's very much like that, too, you know, that uh, the further I get into it, the more inspired I am to do it, the more motivated I am to do it. And so long rambling story short <laughs> for me, I can't speak to any of these other authors. It's um, it comes through doing through the actual act of doing it is where that motivation comes from. The further, the longer I am away from it, the harder it is to get back and be motivated to do it again. But by doing Creating these characters in the way that you do with the richness uh, in which you create the characters, then you do get to know them. And is that when it becomes easier for you when all of a sudden it like the, the switch is flipped and it's like, OK, now I understand the motivation for this character. And even though he's only showing up on nine pages in the book, um, I'm not fighting it anymore. I know I know how all of this fits together. Yes, except it's not really a switch. It's like a slow, dimmer bulb that starts to get brighter and brighter. <laughs> well, that's brighter discouraging. <laughs> hey, it's just me. I mean, I, I've heard some authors talk about how the characters just start to come alive and start speaking to them, and basically all they are is a transcriptionist taking notes. And under my breath, I mutter, oh, I hate you so much. Um, so, you know, I think it, it really depends on author, author to author. And um, Bruce, Bruce's question sort of forced me to think about, would there come a time when I just felt like I didn't want to do Monroe books anymore? And that's a, it's an easy question. It's a, a redundant question in a way right now because I'm not doing them. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm writing something else, and so it's a treat to be able to work on them. But... Before all of that happened, there came a time, and I, and I was asking myself, 
you know, at what point do I end the series? And I didn't want it to be one of those series where it just went on and on and on and on and on and went way past its time. But then at the same time, I'd look at all these other authors who people said that about the books, but they kept selling. So obviously not everybody felt that way. And But I do think that with Monroe, there would come a time where I didn't want to write any more of those stories. And it wouldn't be because they it was too hard, because it wasn't fresh, but because it, it, I see Monroe so much as a person. And there comes a point where you're like, let her have her happy ending, you know? And, and for me, people beg me, oh, please don't kill her off. Please don't kill her off. And I was like, I don't have to. All I have to do is make her happy. <laughs> and the series would end because after that, there's no more rage. There's no more whatever. So I think even back then, long before we got to where we are now, where I pretty much forced to write something else, is that I knew there would come a time when the series would be done because she's she just... It, it just wouldn't be possible to keep writing her forever and ever and ever. There have to be an end to the story while she was still young enough and alive enough and had enough life left in her to go off in, into the sunset, right? And mm -hmm. then at that point, I would be forced to write something else. And it just kind of didn't work out that way time-wise. But I don't think anybody should worry <laughs> about having to work on on something until it got old and stale. That is a privilege that we can only dream of having. At Bruce, the second part of Bruce's question sort of addresses that. And uh, he says, I think Stephen has a lot of experience with authors cranking out book after book in series that have long passed their freshness date. And I, I assume he's talking about some of my favorite series that I just can't get away from um, the Spencer books. Even though Robert Parker is has passed away, I I still read them all. I I can't stop reading them. If if someone's going to write one, I'm going to read the story until they just become dreadful, and they're not because uh, the guy that's writing them now is is doing a great job. Um, there's another series of books that I've been reading. I think it's in the 40s now. And every Whoa. time, yeah, every wow. time I read one, or I don't read them, I listen to them. Every time I listen to one, I'm like, I am not going to use my Audible credit on this next month. But then the new book comes out and I get it because I like the narrator. I like the characters and the level of lameness in the story sometimes is so overwhelming that I feel really bad about myself for listening but I still want to know what they're going to do next. Okay. And I can't imagine what it's like to be the author who is an incredibly talented author and to just be forced to keep putting this stuff out because he's, he's one of those traditionally published authors who publishes a lot of books every, every year. And well, that makes me think of like, um, there, the Jason Bourne series, the Covert One series, these were Rob, Robert Ludlum's um, like characters that he mm -hmm. created, but he died some time ago. And basically his estate um, works with publishers and they have other authors come in and write these series of books. And for the longest time, I kept thinking, 
who would read those? Because, like, I fell in love with Jason Bourne because Robert Ludlum wrote him, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, who would want to read this character written by someone else? But obviously, lots of people do because these books keep selling. Yes. And that's an interesting thing. I mean, the Jason Bourne example is a good one because you and I are at opposite ends of the spectrum on that one. I read the the original Jason Bourne book. I can't remember what it was called. Maybe it was Jason Bourne. But I loved it. I absolutely thought this is, you know, what a what a great concept for a book. And then when it was over, it was over. I did not see it as the start of this great series. I was not in love with the character. I loved the idea of waking up in the middle of the ocean somewhere, not knowing who you are and finding that you have all these skills. So the rest of it was like, eh, you know, I'm not really that interested because I didn't become that interested in the character of of Jason Bourne as opposed to Travis McGee or someone like that where it's just like this character, I just connect so strongly with the character that if – if John D. McDonald could have written a hundred books and was still alive today, I would be still reading them. Okay, so that just jogged my thought process here on this because Bruce's questions are obviously related to the writer side of it, not mm-hmm. the reader side of it, right? And I think about myself how I I am boosted, encouraged to keep going by fan mail. Like I hear from readers who tell me how much they love the series and begging me when's the next one going to be. And um, and it's not like such a steady stream that I get a big head or anything like that, but it tells me that there are people out there who appreciate what I do and who want more. And I think from a, writer, a writer's perspective, and especially someone who's written um, – so many books, not me, but others who've written so many books in the series, I'd imagine they get tons more fan mail than I do. And I would think that as long as that fan mail is coming in, that's the the impetus, the the encouragement, the driving force that keeps these keeps you going, yeah, somebody wants this. And so there's this motivation to write. Um, and and to keep telling those stories. And I think if all you ever heard as an author was, uh, you know, do you, have you ever thought of doing something else? Then you'd really lose interest fast <laughs> in in writing the same character. Maybe a science fiction author, right, who has this ongoing saga, it's really hard to get bored for both reader and writer in something like that, because although the characters are the driving force, obviously that's always the way it is, the worlds and the ongoingness of it and continuing the story, like the story keeps going, right? So that's what's going to keep something like that fresh for the author is that continual world building bring, you know, taking the characters from one generation to the next. I think it would be a lot harder to stay motivated and keep yourself fresh if you're doing the same characters over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, like with Monroe or Jack Reacher or Stephanie Plum or whatever. 
let's let's think of the example for a minute of J.K. Rowling, and I'm I'm drawing a blank on the, her as a mystery writer, the name that she used as a mystery Robert writer. Robert Galbraith. Galbraith, yes. Yeah. And what a risk that was to go from being probably the most famous writer and the the highest grossing writer in the world in one genre to go somewhere so completely different. No, 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 no. That wasn't the risk. Okay. The risk was the in-between book that she actually wrote under her own name and that was so horribly panned that it made perfect sense that she took on oh, pseudonym. What was the in-between book? Um, some uh, Something Vacancy. I don't remember the title. It was just something but, different? It wasn't part of the Harry Potter uh, canon? Nothing to do. It was a very adult book, and it was not a mystery or a thriller. It was... I didn't read it, so I don't know. I'm just... That's the impression that I got is there, you know, there were no likable characters. What an awful story, oh. you know, um, and there's two sides of it. There's the all the people who went into it being told this is not Harry Potter, but still wishing for something anyway and then just slamming the book. Yes. And then people who just honestly, genuinely didn't like it because it was her writing this book and whatever. So when she switched over and did, um, you know, under a pseudonym, the books, her books did not sell well at all. Um, they sold as they would if you were a de- debut author that nobody had ever heard of. But someone leaked leaked it, who it was that was writing them, and all of a sudden she became a bestseller again. So I don't really know if that's the best example of someone saying, you know, it was so brave of her to do this. Okay. All right. Um, let me think of – oh, Television. I I find myself as a reader being compelled to read the next book, as I've said. I don't find the same thing with television. And it's interesting because to watch a, a one-hour television show with a DVR takes 44, 45 minutes. And I'm, I'm much quicker to give up on something like that, even if it's something that I've liked for three and a half years. All of a sudden, they can go off the rails a little bit, and I'll go, eh. I'm not watching that anymore, but I will go and spend $15 for a book when the last $15 book that I bought didn't engage me in the way that I thought it should, but I still had that relationship with the characters that I wanted to continue on. Okay. So here's a question for you. Okay. How many mess ups does an author get with you? Before you're like, no, I'm not coming back for another round. This is embarrassing, um, <laughs> but it's never happened. It's never happened. If I really like a series, I never give up. If I've just, you know, if I kind of like it, if I read three or four books, that's one thing. But if I really like a series and the author continues to write the series, I never give up on it. Okay, well, how many books does it take before you're like, I love this series so much? Is it just one book and then just one? one? Yes. Wow. Like The Informationist. If you had, if I'd read The Informationist and there would have been 20 follow-up books to The Informationist, you wouldn't have seen me for a year. I would have just sat in a room and read them. 
It's like drugs, basically. You keep chasing that high. Yeah. Not I, that I not that I know from any personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, you know, you're just chasing that same feeling over. It's like you've had it once and you're so sure that it's going to be there again that you just keep trying over and over to now, get it. Now, I disagree. I, it, that's part of it. That's a small part of it. But the other part of it is you want to hang out with these characters. So even if the story is disappointing to you, you enjoy the characters that much that you're willing? Yes. Okay. I enjoy the characters and the, the, the world that the author has created so much that I'm willing to forego, in some instances, for four or five books in a row, really bad stories, just to hang out with the characters. See, this is something that I would be fascinating to know from our listeners, is how many more of you are there out there, as far as as readers go? Because this is blowing my mind. And obviously, it's because I read too many negative reviews of my own work. (laughs) So in my mind, if I mess up even once, I've lost all my readers. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I you mentioned you mentioned some of the reviews for other books where you you see people that just continue a series on for a while and you go in and you read the reviews and the the number one review up at the top is this is the worst book ever this author just mailed it in i'm never reading another book uh never never reading another one of these books and when i read something that from an author that i like and it's like not very good i'm curious did other people feel the same way and i will go and and look at the reviews and if i see those i'll think yeah i should probably give up on this but i never do Interesting. I would, I would really like love it if our listeners would um, give me that. I just want to know. I, I want to understand what drives people. I want to understand the reading mind because I, I just don't have that much time to read. And uh, even if I love a series, like I love Jack Reacher, but I don't have the time to finish the series. And there's so many books out there that I haven't read and discovered that I need to, I, I have to spread the love around a little bit just to, just for the sake of this is what I do for a living. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to know, I want to understand, uh, what it is, how, how people stick with is, is Steve an anomaly. Here? I think I'm a total anomaly. Okay. But I know other people like me, so I guess that's uh, sort of untrue. I want to know how many books an author gets before they're no longer forgiven and given another pass. I want to know what Well, makes... you've, got to, you've got to set it up. Like, is, is, if the first book is a little below, a little above average, and the next book is a little above average, and the next book is a little above average, and it's like, you know, it's okay, and then the fourth book is a clunker, then you're done, or I'm done. But if, if you as a reader, if you love the character, if you love the characters in the book, the world, the storyline, um, and you're emotionally invested with them, then how many, how many clunkers would it take to get you off of it? And what's, what is a, a clunker anyway? And like, here's, here's one of the things that um, has always baffled me is, you know, I write these really intense and not to sound conceited, pretty well-written books, right? 
and they get panned, not by everyone, obviously, but, you know, me being me, I, I, that's what I see. <laughs> One person negative, panned but, them. <laughs> right. Well, they get panned, but then there'll be this book, like, so, like, let's say I have, like, a four-point whatever uh, rating on Amazon, and I, I won't even talk about Goodreads because that's a whole other animal in itself. But then you'll see these other books that are um, really horribly written and maybe not even that great of stories, and they'll have these amazing reviews. And and so I even from the very beginning, I was always like, well, I wish my stuff would just be compared against it other things like it, you know, instead of trying to compare me against war and peace or something. And, and it's always baffled me about like what standards, like who, there's no single yardstick, right? Everybody measures you against whatever else they're reading. And, and that's a big fear that I have of, and I will certainly be going into this more as we get closer to publication date for Liar's Paradox, but it's a big fear that I have of, those who've read Monroe and love Monroe will read this next series and be like, yeah, this was great, but it's not Monroe. And so it doesn't matter how hard I write or how awesome it is. They will always come with a certain level of disappointment. And then that disappointment is going to be passed on in reviews and whatever. And then people who might've been excited for the book will see all this disappointment and go, eh, it probably is not going to be very good. And it's just going to kill it from the very beginning. Because how do you measure something against Monroe? You know, they're, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> and so, and, and I think about that for like, it, and it all ties into this, this conversation of keeping a series fresh and, um, finding inspiration and what is it that causes a reader to come back and there's just I just don't understand sometimes how it all works and um, to be measured against something that's not even you but to be measured poorly against something that's not even you and then worse to be measured against yourself and and all of this and I'm like I I know that I would be keeping a series fresh for forever if I knew that it was loved and people wanted it, right? And that's where that ties back into. And, and I could see myself writing Monroe for forever because there is so much love for her. But if I work so hard at this next series and right away all I get back in feedback is, it was good, but it's not Monroe, well, it's already dead to me at that point. Like, why? What's the point of going on? It's 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 stale before it even got fresh. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the opening line. That's got to be the opener for this. It's stale before it got fresh. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's it's a. There's no easy answer on any of this, but it's the type of stuff that I would make myself crazy and turn into an unsolved. Uh, insomniac over if I allowed myself to dwell on it. And for those of you who are listening to Taylor tell this tale of woe about uh, the possible expectations, there aren't many bigger fans of the Monroe series than I am. And I love this new series. And I am I'm so anxious for the book to come out. I'm so anxious to start seeing some 
early looks at the second book and see where she goes after the first book. And because of the way Taylor writes characters, it's easy to bond with them. They're not stick figure characters. They're, they're real. And if you like them, then it's, it's really easy to attach yourself to them and, and to want more. So I'm excited about what's going to happen with this new series. See, this is why I cling to Steve's ankle and go, no, don't leave. Take me with you. All right. So what we want uh, this week in, in terms of a call to action is to let us know what would cause you or how many, how many books, if you really loved a series, how many books would it take for you to say, ah, enough, I've given up? Yeah, I really want to know that. And um, how how much do you have to love a character and love an author to stick with them all through the end, like all 20 books or 30 books or in the case of what you were just saying, 40 books. like And going how, on, going strong. And Yeah, and going on. And, um, and I suppose part of that has to do with how fast people read. If you only read one book every three months, then obviously you're not going to. These are bite-sized books. We could, we could say that. Yeah. So I just, I want to understand. So reader feedback, listener input, please engage with me in this conversation because I'm very hungry for your experience, for your insight into this. There's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. There's just a cumulative answers. Like that's the only way for me to really understand this, just to hear from a lot of people about their own reading preferences, their reading experiences when it comes to series, how many books before you burn out, how long can you go? How much does an author get forgiven? Uh, All of that. I just, I want to know. So please guys. All right. We will be back in your ear in two weeks. We haven't actually talked about this. (laughs) I'm like, oh. (laughs) But there's a very good chance that we won't be here next week. But we will be if we're not here next week. We might be here next week, but there's a chance that we won't be. So if we're not here, don't be surprised. We will be back the following week. Yeah. So that gives you guys plenty of time to answer my questions. (laughs) (laughs) The evil plan. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be with you again soon.